Welcome to the Moonlight Real Estate Syndication Show, hosted by Eric Lindsay. Here at Moonlight, we will show you how to operate and invest in real estate syndications successfully while having W-2 income or another business that you operate on a full-time basis. We will learn from experts all things pertaining to real estate syndications. Here at the Moonlight Real Estate Syndication Show, we choose to focus on financial security, not job security. Welcome to the Moonlight Real Estate Syndication Show. I am your host, Eric Lindsay. Here at Moonlight, we choose to focus on achieving financial security through real estate. And today we are here with Jeffrey Donis. Jeffrey is a real estate investor and syndicator. He and his two brothers started investing in single family homes initially, but they eventually built a portfolio of cash flowing rentals and a six figure business. Now, they are partnered on over 1,000 multifamily apartment units, and their target markets include Florida, Georgia, and North Carolina. Their goal is to empower others to achieve their financial goals through apartment investing. The Donners Brothers have a passion for helping people begin investing in real estate at an early age, and this passion has bonded them as brothers and business partners. Without further ado, welcome to the show, Jeffrey. Thanks for having me, Eric. Excited to be here. Yes, sir. Well, I'm privileged to have you on. I know I've followed you guys from a distance. I saw you on TikTok doing quite a bit of marketing and just kind of expressing yourself, sharing what you all have done through the business. And also, I've heard you on various other podcasts. So I've been intrigued, and it's definitely a pleasure to have you here. With that being said, could you share just a little bit more about yourself and also yeah. how you got started in real estate? Happy to. So uh, as you mentioned, my name is Jeffrey Donis. I'm 21 years old. I work with my two brothers. I have a twin and an older brother. Uh, we initially got started in real estate about three years ago. So we were I was a freshman in college at the time going through my general ed, ed classes is what we referred to them as and was really not in real estate at that point, just learning more about it. I eventually came across Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, then that led me to reading other entrepreneurial books like Think and Grow Rich, uh, Rich's Mammon in Babylon, The Compound Effect, things like that. And then the COVID-19 pandemic happened. So once that had hit, uh, we had already started learning about real estate and we started taking action before we got sent home. I was cold calling for about two hours trying to get my first wholesale deal. And eventually, once we got sent back home, we were all now in the same spot, all trying to do the same thing, which was call sellers, find a motivated seller and be able to help them and get our first deal under our belt. Fast forward six months after we started, that was when we finally closed our first wholesale deal, uh, which took us a bit. Um, initially, our goal is and was to retire our single mother. So that's really what sparked our interest, uh, really just improving our financial situation uh, for ourselves, but not only ourselves, our mom and our family. Um, so my mom comes from Guatemala and we have family that lives there and our goal is to help them as well. So our goals have obviously grown since then, but that was really the, the reason and the thing that sparked our journey. Yeah, that's amazing that you all are that family oriented and family is an extremely big deal for you guys. So definitely hats off to you guys for that. And yeah, but 21 years of age, that is an amazing background. And to have that mentality to maybe venture into this space and get into real estate and take as much action as you guys did. Was there anything within your background that kind of 
ignited that or examples that kind of stimulated you guys to be entrepreneurial? Yeah, I would say in regards to entrepreneurship, there are certain things that like traits and, and experiences that I had personally. Mainly, I would say just I grew up playing soccer. Um, I was always growing up, I was usually like a captain on the team that I was on. So things like that, just sort of being able to take criticism and not only that, really be a leader or at least try to act like I was being a leader. A lot of times I, I felt like I had the imposter syndrome, right? Where I didn't really know what a leader was, but uh, they just gave me a band and told me to to lead from the front. So I would have to try to get people to do things. And it all stemmed from me wanting to win. So I, I am very competitive. Uh, I grew up that way and I, I still am. Uh, so when it came to entrepreneurship, I think that's the one business that you can do forever, regardless of your age. And I learned, I've learned that from other entrepreneurs who are a lot older so that really is something that interests me and why I'm so interested in business is that I, I enjoy competing and I see it as a way for me to do that uh, and something that I can do long-term. So there's various things that really presented themselves, but also I, my mom is very hardworking and has a great work ethic. So when I saw how her, she was working and she is self-employed, uh, she cleans houses and our goal is to retire her for that reason. But just seeing how hard she works and what the results were being a single mom and being able to raise all, all of her kids on her own. It showed me, you know, just through what I, what is possible through hard work. So there's a lot of examples of entrepreneurship, but I didn't really know what it was until I started reading books like rich dad, poor dad. Uh, but before that, I just think I, I was cultivating skills and traits and habits that I wasn't really aware uh, in regards to what I was doing, but I know it, it's definitely helping me now. So it sounds like you all had an outstanding example with your mom being self-employed and being an entrepreneur. And so it kind of trickled down to you guys and you all just continue to get educated, learned about real estate and just make the best of it there. That's amazing. So I do share in some of your background. So with the wholesaling background, yeah. I've been in that arena for maybe about three to four years. And Awesome. Stayed there far too long. So you guys caught on a lot faster than I did. It was really good income coming in, but it was really transactional and yeah. it is not a long-term wealth building strategy. So definitely right. hats off to you guys for discovering that. What point did you all realize that you wanted to be more than just a transactional kind of person and actually buy and hold real estate? Yeah, great question. So as you mentioned, wholesaling is an awesome way to get started. And it's how we got started. We learned so much. I don't regret it. I think it was a part of the process for a reason. Um, in regards to just building the foundation of knowledge when it comes to real estate, I think wholesaling is a great way for anyone to get started, especially when you're brand new. And personally, no one in my background or my immediate network when I was first getting started knew anything about real estate or <clears throat> I didn't know anyone who was in real estate actually investing. I barely even knew what an agent was, honestly. I just thought when I thought of real estate, I, a lot of people in my network would think real estate agent. So when it came to investments, that was a really, really new uh, thing for us. So once we broke into it, uh, we realized, okay, wholesaling is a great way for us to make some, some money and really just build some type of business. Uh, so that was what we started with because you didn't need a lot of money. You didn't need a lot of experience. You could hustle and that's what we had. We had a lot of time to invest, right? There's multiple different types of currencies. We lacked a lot of them except time. So that was all we could put in. So initially that's why we we chose to get into wholesaling. And eventually after the first year, we realized we were working pretty much all day, every day, <clears throat> generating leads, doing deals, all the cash we were making. It was great, but we were reinvesting it back, back into the business for marketing. 
And at the end of the day, we weren't owning any of the assets. So mm -hmm. we realized we were just creating another business for ourselves, pretty much another job, <clears throat> which our goal when we got into it was to become wealthy, not to sort of build like a high paying job. And that's what wholesaling was for us. So eventually we just started learning about uh, investments and specifically being a real estate investor. As a wholesaler, we were marketers and really good at finding buyers and finding sellers, but we didn't actually own anything. So that's why we got into creative financing at first. <clears throat> and then we realized that when it comes to single family, it's hard to scale. And our goal was to build long-term wealth. Now, as I keep mentioning, education is still a big part and it played a huge role in regards to why we transitioned. So we were continuing to educate ourselves and eventually we kept hearing stories about other operators and other investors who were already in multifamily saying they wish they would have gotten started sooner. We were already spending a lot of time, as I mentioned, and my brother, my twin brother, he asked one of our mentors at the, <clears throat> excuse me, at the time what he would do if he was in our shoes in regards to should we stick with wholesaling or should we transition into multifamily? We want to get into multifamily, but we had all these limiting beliefs, uh, whether we were too young, too inexperienced, didn't have enough money, was it too soon? Were we making the right choice for all those reasons? And he said, at the end of the day, you guys are very young. So whatever you choose to do, just like go all in. And he kind of pushed us towards going into multifamily, which is sort of foreshadowing how important mentors have been to us. But eventually we decided to get into multifamily because we, one, we're already working all day. We were like, well, if we're putting all this time and effort into one thing, why not it be the thing that we want to be in long-term? Uh, we couldn't think of a good reason. Like, obviously you can make money, but we knew the money would come. It was more so about us building something long-term that we enjoy doing because I really didn't enjoy cold calling and being an acquisitions rep for a single family acquisitions company. I really was more attracted to the multifamily side of things and the scalability of it. And then you start getting into why multifamily is better overall than single family, which we can get into. Uh, but we learned about those reasons as well. And all of that really helped convince ourselves and get us into multifamily. Yeah, well, definitely congrats on making the right decision, because if you stay with the transactional, like you were saying, it is just creating another job. It can be an extremely high income earning job, but you never really attain that passive income in which Rich Dad Poor Dad really promotes and encourages others and those that read the book to really pursue. So yeah, definitely great decision that you guys made there to start pursuing multifamily rather than staying locked in on wholesaling there. Yeah. Hey, could you share with the Moonlight listeners a deal that you all have completed? I read in the bio that you all are up to 1,000 units as of right now. Could you share with our listener base how you all have completed a transaction, how you found it, how you were able to close it, and how you guys are operating it? For sure. And I, I can go like in a general stance, if that's okay. So and it's pretty much applicable to all across. That's the, fine. The, the that's portfolio. fine. So the way that we find deals I do the investor relations capital raising. I have an older brother. And the cool thing about having partners, you don't have to, but I think in multifamily, it's awesome to have different partners that you can work with because there's obviously a lot to do when it comes to apartment syndication. So if you can just focus on what you enjoy doing and what you sort of are naturally good at, that will obviously help you go a lot further. So I do the investor relations and capital raising. My older brother does our acquisitions and our asset management. So when it comes to the acquisitions aspect of the business, my older brother will contact real estate brokers. And for our criteria, it's 100 to 200 units, B-class, 1980s, vintage or newer, meaning it was built in 1980s or more recent. And he'll look for a product that fits that criteria in our markets. And when he finds a deal, 
that meets those just immediate, you know, checks those boxes. That's when he'll underwrite the deal using an analyzer. We'll plug in the information, including financials, rent roll, a different uh, other market information, like what the cap rate is and things like that. And eventually if it pencils out, meaning if it hits a certain metric or returns that we're looking for, because we raise money for these deals. So when you're trying to bring on investors, they won't, they will typically, we're looking to meet a certain criteria that we know they want. So it usually suggests certain types of returns. Once we hit those, um, we'll then go in and hopefully get some more information from our property management company in regards to what they can manage the property at, which will help us have more information when it comes to our underwriting, because we're going to be paying them. We'll then get an insurance quote, which we'll use in our underwriting as well. Once we have all that information, if it checks the box after we walk it, we refine those numbers based on what our findings were, and then we'll hopefully submit the LOI. So once we do that, that's how we find the deal. We win it. Uh, business plan, right? Typically, we're going in and these properties are obviously not brand new. So they do have some deferred maintenance and different value-add opportunities and components, which is what we look for in a deal. Uh, that includes improving amenities, like a dog park, swimming pool, uh, gym, playground. If they don't have it, then we'll add one if if we see that the market uh, demands it. And if we think there's an opportunity to add that, we'll go ahead and do that. Uh, and also in regards to the units, obviously, we want to improve some of those. So our goal is really just to renovate uh, 80%, up to 80% of the units that are there uh, with the goal of having enough uh, renovations or just improvements overall that will improve the overall community and living experience for our residents. So that way it justifies us raising the the rents and bringing them up to market value. Uh, and we obviously want to do that where, where it's justified based on what we're doing to bring value to the community. So once we do that, uh, initially we're looking to, we project a five to six year hold period. So we plan on selling uh, usually five to six years, but it really just depends on how the deal goes. Sometimes you can you know hold it for a little bit longer or you can uh, sell it earlier. You just really don't know uh, depending on what the market's doing and things like that. That's amazing. And that's the syndication process in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You I know, don't think too much in detail. No, that was a great summary there. Locating the deal, connecting with the brokers, raising capital, analyzing the deal, raising the capital, and then operations there. So that's a great strategy. Do you all foresee yourself eventually getting into the longer holds, or do you always foresee yourself staying at that hold for five to six years? Yeah, good question. So it depends on the deal. Uh, the reason that we'll typically include uh, an exit, which is five to six years when we plan on selling, that's our typical business in our typical business plan because we usually have returns that we'd like to hit. And when you sell, obviously you can realize a lot of profits typically. And that's the goal, right? Is to realize your profits. So sometimes what we like to call, I call it our fiduciary responsibility to our investors. If there are certain returns that we're looking to achieve. And sometimes it's a lot easier to achieve those by selling and realizing profits, then we'll do that. Now, the ideal goal for, I think for anyone in any investment in any asset class is to have something we like to call infinite return, uh, where you can just refinance forever, continue refinancing and continue pulling out money uh, and give the investors all of their money back. And they stay within the deal, even though all their chips are off the table. Um, that's something that we would love to do. And I, I would open to it. And honestly, that would be ideal. It's just not always the reality. Sometimes, you know, in year two, you hit returns, meaning it makes sense to sell because you can get your investors their money back very quickly. Uh, and I, I, it's a good and bad thing, right? But because now they have 
they have their money back, but now they have to find a place to put the money, which is interesting, right? But I think it just depends on how the deal goes and really what the what's in the best interest of the investors. So I would ideally like to hold the property forever. Yeah, that's great insight for you all to have such short experience and which is a lot longer to me. I've been in since December of 2021, but you are very seasoned and it sounds as if you all are super knowledgeable about the space and you would have to be to accomplish the things that you all have accomplished. So definitely congrats on your success. We're going to kind of go a little bit deeper into the show. We always like to have our guests just do a little bit of what we like to call somewhat our coaching portion or just kind of giving some advice based around six to seven questions that we typically like to usually ask our guests. If you could hold your response to between one to two minutes per question, that'd be great. Perfect. First question is, what is something that you wish you would have known before you started investing within real estate? Yeah. So I would say uh, this book behind me, Who Not How, if I just went into it knowing that my goal is just to meet as many people as possible, uh, while obviously educating myself and reading as many books as possible. But the main thing is your network. If you can just meet the right people, regardless of how old you are, what your background is, how much money you have, all of those things, having having certain of, you know certain amount of those things will help make it that easier. But at the end of the day, it's all about who you know, specifically in real estate. And it just starts by taking action and going to events. That was amazing to me because initially that was the hang up for me. I didn't really think I had enough capital to get started. But now that I've ventured into the waters, I've educated myself, I've discovered that, as you were saying, it's who you know and getting connected with enough people. And you could do high volumes of deals if you can find out where your value lies and then align yourself with other team members. So great answer on that. Next question is, how long did it take you to close your first syndication from the time that you decided that you were going to go all in on apartment syndication? How long did it take you to actually get a deal closed? Yeah, it took us about six months. And interesting enough, it took us six months to do our first real estate deal in general. And then when it came to syndication, it took us about six months. Uh, The way that we expedited the syndication piece was by joining a mastermind group, which allowed us to not only network with people that were doing deals and gave us access to deal flow, meaning we had opportunities coming our way to partner on, but we also had access to partners who had a lot more experience. So when it came to actually being a part of a team, I didn't have to do it myself. Nice. That's great. So you guys took massive action and it it paid off for you all. You got connected to the right people and you were able to get your first deal done. That's great on that one. How do you balance your personal life and business as of today and allow both of those to continue to thrive? That's a great question. I like to think my personal life, I don't, I don't see my business like it's completely separate. I think I, I kind of, I like to think of my, myself in my business, you know, so uh, that's one aspect, but I, I do make time for people in my life. Um, initially, being an entrepreneur, I think there's certain phases in your in my my journey that I've had to put more time in the business where I wasn't really seeing my friends or hanging out with my family as much as I'd like. But luckily I work with my two brothers, so I'm always spending time with them. So regardless of whether or not it's business, uh, it, our business is really a part of us in the sense that we're doing what we love. Uh, we enjoy it. And also on that side of it all, I make time for my faith most, most and foremost. So I go to hang out with my people from my church and take time to study my faith and things like that. So I think doing that really allows me to always keep a bigger view on things to ensure that I'm on the right path and I'm making the right choices. Uh, because if I wasn't happy and I didn't 
if I wasn't at peace with what I was doing and didn't feel like it was right, I think I would know based on my faith. I think that you kind of get an inkling for it. So um, that's kind of how I keep it balanced. I think I just keep a high perspective by maintaining faith and a connection with my faith. Yeah, maintaining those balance is going to be essential for you being able to keep a solid balance and make sure that you're still existing and, and living life and yeah. keep everything thriving in the process. So yeah, definitely good answer on that one. If a person had a very limited amount of time and money, what could they do to start a successful business like yours? I'd say uh, if you don't have any money, you don't really need that, that much money. Um, you can go to YouTube University. That's what we used. Just literally all YouTube's free if you have Wi-Fi. Obviously, Wi-Fi may not be free because you need a phone or something. But if you can afford to get Wi-Fi, then I'd say YouTube. And then if you can afford to get Spotify, there's podcasts. Uh, there's a lot of ways to get access to free books as well. So education is the number one thing. And then at the end of the day, it's how it depends how like obviously how bad of a situation you're in when it comes to your finances. Like if you have zero money, then it might be a little bit difficult, but you can just find a way to make a little bit so that you can pay for gas to start going to events. Uh, and then also to go to a conference, things like that. So you can build your network. Also LinkedIn is very powerful. That's where me and Eric connected. So using social media platforms, a lot of that is free. LinkedIn specifically, people, they really sleep on it. I highly recommend using it to connect with people. Zoom is free for the most part. So you can use that as well just to connect with people. As I mentioned, your network is everything. Yeah, if you can put the work in and network and get educated along the way, most yeah. content is free. So get into a high price coaching mastermind. That's great if you have that kind of cash to be able to jump into that. But yeah. there's so much free resources out there to where you can get the education and know exactly the steps that you need to take and put the hard work in. And that's what it sounds like you all did on your side, just worked extremely hard and got educated along the way and connected with the right people. So Jeffrey, great answers on that. That was some significant value that you provided. And so we definitely appreciate that. Yeah, As we start to conclude, we always like to ask our guests, what's a great personal development book or a business book that you would recommend for our Moonlight listeners? Yeah. Um, one one that I really liked recently, I don't, I'll give you Who Not How. I already mentioned that. Uh, one grit in regards to, it's not like my favorite, but I really think it's good for entrepreneurs because it teaches you what the most important trait of an entrepreneur is, in my opinion, is grit. Uh, so read that book. And then one really good one that I think it's important to just make sure you read once. It's called Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. That's the founder of Nike. So I recommend that one. It goes into being a young entrepreneur and a new entrepreneur. You might think you're going to break the bank really fast, but you don't. And he didn't either. But look at him now. Okay, Shoe Dog. I'm going to have to look into that. I've heard that a few times floating around, but I haven't actually taken a look at it as of yet. So I am reading or listening on Audible right now, Burn the Boats. And it's pretty recent. It just came out not too long ago. So that's pretty intriguing as well. But yeah, yeah great. Hey, Jeffrey, we definitely appreciate you coming on to the show today. It's nice to meet you. As I said, I'm hurt you from afar with you all being so young and coming into the space and doing such great things is definitely admirable. Yeah, I'm just glad to connect with you. Likewise, I appreciate your time, Eric. I really do. Yes, sir. Hey, Jeffrey, we'd love to have you come back anytime and you're more than welcome anytime to come back onto the show. Sounds good. I'll make sure to reach out again sometime in the future. Okay. How can our Moonlight listeners get in contact with you? If someone wanted to connect with you, do you have a preferred method? For sure. 
So you can uh, visit our website at www.donisinvestmentgroup.com. And we also have a checklist if you're interested in just passive investments and you're looking to vet different uh, passive investment opportunities, feel free to reach out and visit the link. It's www.donisinvestmentgroup.com backslash checklist. And then on social media, we're on every platform you can find uh, at Donis Brothers. And then personally, you can find me at Jeffrey Donis. And then last but not least, you can check out our podcast, The Real Estate Monopoly on all podcast aggregators. Okay, great, Jeffrey. We definitely appreciate it. And once again, you're welcome anytime. And to you Moonlight listeners, let's keep pursuing financial security through real estate. And while you're at it, let's keep Moonlight. Thanks for tuning in to the Moonlight Real Estate Syndication Show. Please make sure to give us a five-star review, subscribe to this channel, and please share this podcast with someone else. Until next time, let's keep pursuing financial security, not job security. We'll catch you in the next episode.